Hey, welcome to the Healthy Postnatal Body Podcast with your postnatal expert Peter Laap. Naat, as always, will be me. This is the podcast for the 18th of Feb 2024. And no, I don't have a guest on. It's a From the Vault episode from 2022. Because I've had similar questions that I had this week. Uh, I've had dealt with them before. So I just pulled that one out of thin air, so to speak. Out of the ether is actually a better phrase. Is hula hooping really good for healing diastasis? I saw this one mentioned again this week on Instagram. Um, is it normal to have lower backache the day after doing some diastasis rectal exercises? And after not healing? my diastasis rectum properly my abs will surely be ruined if i fall pregnant again is that actually true or is that just something people tell you to uh to make sure you're scared enough to buy their programs right without further ado we'll get straight in and into it it's a nice short episode here we go Hey, welcome to the Healthy Postnatal Body Podcast. This is the podcast for the 8th of May 2022. And I am joined by Buddy and Kitty, who are being particularly boisterous. So if you hear doggies playing and tussling in the background, that's what that is. Because, you know, Kitty's only just recently started playing. Bless her little cotton socks. So I encourage it as much as possible. So I'm not going to stop them. So if there's noise in the background, that is just what we'll have to put up with. But I think they'll be fine. Uh, what are we doing today? I'm answering three questions related to diastasis recti. You know, it's another nice short episode. We've got a ton of emails to send out this afternoon. Thank you very much for to uh, loads of people that kept sending emails in. Um, you know, I always appreciate getting an email or two in, right? It's always much, 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 much appreciated uh, because it gives me something to talk about. I've got five or six to get back to that I'm not covering here. But, you know, as I always say, if you email in peter at healthypostnatalbody.com, I answer them all. I just don't always get to them on the podcast. Uh, but everybody, whether you're a member of healthypostnatalbody.com or not, I always get back to you. Uh, without sales, as I always say. Uh, we're back to diastasis recti related questions. So I'll just do them in the order that I mentioned them before uh, in the intro. And we'll get a nice short episode. We'll bang that out and be a little in the news this week and all that sort of stuff. So first question. I have heard that hula hooping is good for your core. Is it okay for diastasis recti? Now, I think I covered something similar before, but you know, we've done 150 odd episodes of, of this thing. I think this is episode 160. Um, so you might have missed it, right? So we'll go over it again. Hula hooping is tremendous exercise for your core um, and it is completely safe to do so from a diastasis recti perspective if and only if and this is there's always a caveat right <laughs> you know what it's like if and only if you have good core muscle activation so if the muscles in your body that doesn't mean that they're strong just it just means that the muscles in your body are working the way that they should the muscles in your core are working and pelvic floor are working the way that they should if that is the case, so you have good muscle contraction, uh, there is no muscular imbalance and all that sort of stuff, your glutes are activating properly, all that sort of thing, 
and the muscles are doing what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it, then hula hooping is awesome because then it becomes good core exercise. The problem that we find quite often is that if you start doing exercises, whether that's hula hooping or exercise classes or any sort of core stuff, if you do stuff that is slightly too advanced for you, then you're teaching your body to cheat a little bit and your body will figure out a way to make the movement happen without using the right muscles. Right, And in the hula hooping case, that is, you know, that, that rotational movement. If that is all just in your hips and uh, there is very little glute activation, but you say you wobble your, <laughs> your entire body around, like I would on the dance floor, so to speak. You know, I'm moving, but it's not dancing. Um, if you If you just focus on getting the hula hoop round no matter what, then chances are that you'll not be using the muscles in the right way. So the focus has to be on, are the muscles contracting properly? So I would always, when if you're thinking of going to join a hula hoop class or something like that, is try to do the hula hoop movement and see, without the hula hoop, and see which muscles are working when. And if you can swing it, you know, you get the session with a PT or with the hula hooping instructor or something like that. So they can just check and make sure that everything is working properly. Um, they don't even need to be postpartum qualified for that um, because they should know. If, if you have a good instructor, they should know when a muscle is working or not. Let me put it that when when the, the movement is being done correctly or not. I, I have seen some amazing group exercise instructors that are perfectly fine to just say, listen, this, you feel this on your left. Yes, I do. You feel this in your back. You feel this in your bum. You feel this on your right. And you feel this in your front, uh, the front bit of your core, to so your abs and all that sort of stuff. And they will be able to talk you through the entire hula hooping motion where you should feel what. And they might even be able to, you know, if they place their hands on your core, uh, on, on your abs especially, and, and, and your obliques, whether that is actually squeezing and, and working properly when it's supposed to or not. You don't need to actually actively be using the hula hoop at that stage. Um, and of course, a lot of these hula hoop classes come with weighted hula hoops, right? So um, be careful that you don't start off with, the, with a hula hoop that's too heavy for you. So make sure all the muscles are working properly and chances are, you know, you don't know uh, yourself, most people are not that aware of which muscles should be doing what at which stage of the exercise. So ask a professional to just guide you through. And I've, I'm thinking it would only take me about five rotations before I could figure, are you doing five rotations before I could figure out whether all your muscles are functioning properly or not? It doesn't take that long. So it's not like you need an hour-long session and five follow-ups and all that sort of stuff. Now, of course, if if the professional says, yeah, actually, you know, your obliques aren't working properly yet, then you do some oblique activation exercises first. It might even be a good idea before uh, a class to do something like uh, the little home routine that um, that Healthy Postnatal Body has. Uh, of the first four weeks even. So the, the, the core breathing and the core breath and all that sort of stuff. So for those of you who are not members of, of the program, uh, of the Healthy Postnatal Body, uh, website, 
um, you can just go to the website and without signing up, you can download your, uh, the little guide, the, the postpartum exercise guide or the postpartum guide or whatever, whatever I call it years ago. It's an old one. Uh, <laughs> I'm not giving new information away here, to be honest. Uh, but that includes the, the, the seven minute home routine. So if you use that as a warm up before starting the classes, then you'll find that you've you've told your body that this is what we're going to be doing. I now need you to start using the right muscles at the right time. Um, and then you can go on hula hoop and to your heart's content, just making sure that, you know, in the beginning, you might only be able to hula hoop for five or ten minutes. Um, and this goes for any exercise. I'm just using hula hooping as an example because I was asked this question. Um so any sort of exercise, if after 10, 15 minutes, you find your core is no longer doing the job it's supposed to, and your glutes are no longer doing the job they're supposed to do, but you are still moving around, that's you, not your body cheating then. And then it's time to stop, right? And you increase the time that, that you can do it. Um, week by week, class by class and all that sort of stuff. So do a little warm up. So. Very simply, see a professional, make sure everything works properly. It shouldn't be that expensive and shouldn't take that long. Then immediately um, do a little warm-up before the classes. Do the classes for as long as you can do the exercises properly and then stop and then build it up that way, right? That is how any sort of exercise should work. And I spent nine minutes talking about hula hooping already. I thought that was just going to be a five-minute bit, to be honest. <clears throat> Sorry, apologies. I'm a little uh, croaky throat. Right, question two. Is it normal to have lower backache the day after doing some diastasis exercises? And this kind of leads nicely into that uh, overexertion bit that uh, unintentionally, to be honest, uh, <laughs> leads into that, that hula hooping thing where I said, if you keep going for too long, your body will start to find a way to cheat. Well, that's what this is. Right. If you have lower back pain before the day after, so doing some diastasis related exercises, this means that at some stage your back has started to compensate for your core um, not being able to do the exercises that you were doing by by itself. So I don't know if you do a crunch or a side plank or something like that. You know, a side plank is predominantly an oblique exercise. So. If, if your obliques get tired, then all of a sudden your hips start kicking in and all that sort of stuff. Maybe your lower back starts tightening up a little bit because it's trying to hold you in place when your obliques are too tired to do so by themselves. That is the point where you stop exercising because you don't want your lower back to ache the following day because you're training your body to use the wrong muscles at the wrong time if your lower back is constantly kicking in. It's completely normal to have that happen once or twice, but the more you become aware of um, what your body's capabilities are and which muscles should be working when and all that sort of stuff, the easier it should get on your lower back because you'll be able to stop at the right time and then your lower back shouldn't feel it anymore. So yes, it's completely normal to have that happen, but it's not quite right. Right? It just means you went a little bit too far and a little bit too hard. So take it a bit easier. Right, the big question. Um, someone's saying that they never fix their diastasis recti 
properly, so to speak, whatever that means. I don't have any more caveats. Uh, and now they're pregnant again. Uh, can they still try to minimize the damage, so to speak? She's uh, eight weeks pregnant, and this is not her, uh, her second. It's her fourth child, it, it says here. Um, right, so apologies for the yawning. It's <laughs> It's been a long day. Um, so... Yes, it's a good idea to, to, to start off with. I'm not sure what you mean with by saying uh, never properly fixed my diastasis recti. That usually refers to um, to the gap, the dreaded diastasis recti gap. Uh, and as I've said before, and I've said this many a time, the gap is not actually the most important bit about diastasis recti. Um can she still try to minimize the damage? Yeah, you're eight weeks pregnant. Um, so this is an excellent, excellent, excellent time to start exercising. Even if this is your first pregnancy, you've never done anything, but you have a weak core and all that sort of stuff. You've never done any exercise before. This is a good time to start exercising. And by exercising, I don't mean start going for a run. I mean, do specific exercises that keep the right muscles active and strengthen the right muscles up. Now, admittedly, you know, you can never uh, restrict the size of the baby bump through exercise. That is just not going to happen, right? So your belly is going to be as big as it's going to be uh, because baby growing is a lot more pressure than what you can, what you can do to strengthen up the muscles and all that sort of stuff. The size of your baby bump, so when you're pregnant is what I'm talking about, not your postpartum mummy tummy and all that sort of horrible phrasing. The size of your baby bump is not determined by how strong your core is. It just isn't. And that has never been the case. The size of your baby bump is determined by how much space <laughs> the baby demands. Um, and how much fluid and all that sort of stuff is, is, is required. That is what determines this thing. Um, but your postpartum recovery is very much determined by muscle activation. I always say this, uh, and apologies if you've heard me say this before. Um, the largest part, the most important part of any postpartum exercise program is muscle activation and especially core, pelvic floor, glute activation, all that sort of stuff. So when, I talk, when I'm talking core, by the way, I'm not just talking about your belly area, right? I'm talking about everything that is not a limb. I'm talking about not your legs, not your arms, the rest of classes, core, for this particular exercise. Um, so you want to work on the activation of those muscles. The more active you can keep those muscles, the more you can keep them working, the easier your post, your postpartum recovery will be. Um, because what tends to happen with people who have poor muscle activation is the muscles completely switch off because you get a bit of uh, anterior pelvic tilt or something like that, you know, or, the, or posterior pelvic tilt, whatever. You end up with a pelvic tilt, most likely. You know, that old man at the bar, that waddling sort of, sort of thing, your glutes start to become inactive and all that sort of stuff. So whether your bum is sticking out massively or whether your bum completely disappears, that sort of pelvic tilt is very likely to happen during a pregnancy because you have that shifting center of gravity and your body compensates for that. 
Um, if you can keep your glutes active and you can keep your obliques active and your TVA, uh, your transverse abdominis active, um, then you'll find the postpartum when the baby's out and you've had your six-week checkup and all that sort of stuff, that when you start your recovery, the first four to six weeks are a lot easier. Uh, it takes about, after the first second pregnancy, it takes about four to six weeks before your muscle activation is 100% again. Uh, if you're on your third or fourth or fifth child and you've never done any exercises before, either before the pregnancy or during any of your other pregnancies and you never recovered fully, then it's going to take a bit longer. But that doesn't mean it's impossible, right? It is never, ever impossible. You can always get those muscles active again. I have not really come across any sort of uh, person that didn't benefit from muscle activation. And I've trained people who've had tummy tucks and all that sort of stuff before, right? Um, it is just a good idea to keep everything active. That's what I'm saying because it makes it postpartum easier. It doesn't necessarily mean that, like I said, that the gap won't get bigger. The gap is going to get as big as it's going to get because the baby needs as much space as it's going to get. But your abs won't be completely ruined is what I'm saying. They never really are. Um, it is really rare for someone uh, to have diastasis to the extent that um, it is completely useless to exercise. Um, and I'm phrasing that very carefully because I know there's some people listening to this who say they've had 10, 12 centimeters diastasis recti. And I'm not saying that they don't need surgery. Right? I'm just saying you will benefit from muscle activation. I'm not saying that you'll be able to get that 10 centimeter gap back to within range, within the normal range, which is about 2 centimeters. Um, I'm saying that you can really help it along. That's all I'm saying, right? Cool. So definitely, 8 weeks pregnant, get exercising. It is that simple. So in the news this week, what do we have? I have a little study here uh, published on the JAMA network. Basically, uh, this was published, what is it, 13th of April 2022, but I only came across it last week. Uh, I tend to be a little bit more on the ball than that, to be honest. Uh, association between physical activity and risk of depression, a systematic review and meta-analysis done by Matthew Pierce, PhD, Leandro Garcia, PhD, and Ali Abbas, PhD. In other words, very qualified people. <laughs> Basically, they they looked at 15 studies comprising 191,000, <laughs> something like that, uh, participants, and in total, 2 million years, <laughs> person years. So what that means is they uh, two, 200,000 participants of two million, so 10 years on average per person, roughly, right? Uh, I'll link to the study, as I always do. Um so, and they looked at the link between minor amounts of exercise, uh, what do they call it? Um, limited amounts of small doses of physical, physical activity and the risk of depression, how much lower that is. And they found that actually even a small dosage of physical activity has a massive consequence. Um, a low level of physical activity um, had a 17% to as a uh, lower odds of developing depression. 
Other meta-analysis reported that to be at 21% lower. So anywhere between 17 to 21%, which is huge. Absolutely epic, because lower level of physical activity, we're just talking walking a little bit and all that sort of stuff, doing some squats every now and again, uh, doing the gardening, just doing housework, doing whatever, just being busy. Now, I'm not saying that this directly links to postnatal depression. That's a different beast altogether, right? So we're not in there at all. I'm just talking about more the, um, the normal level of... Um, of depression that some people are prone to every now and again. So we're not talking really, really debilitating depression. Uh, just to make that very clear, then that is not why I'm quoting this, why I'm quoting this study. Um, and we can't really think of any sort of, um, any sort of medication that will have exactly the same impact. As in, for a low-level medication that is easy to do, that you don't have to take permanently, um, that has a 20%, um, that makes you 20% less at risk of, of depression and that can help to that extent. So I will link to the study because it's a fascinating little thing. Um, I mean, the increase... The, we really have to, it, it, this is the main reason I'm putting it up. We have to be more physically active anyways. We have to be. Um, because it is the fastest and the easiest way to improve mental health. Um, it's an interesting little study, like I said. Um, then therefore, I highly recommend you have a little breeze through. And of course, you know, things like healthypostnatalbody.com, going to a gym, like I said, walking, cycling, running, whatever you do, gardening, just being busy overall in a non-stress, in, in, in a stress-free way. So not running after your kids all the time. That doesn't count, right? Um, exercise for exercise's sake, physical activity for physical activity's sake. That's what this seems to relate to. Um so being physically active in a non-stressful way. So not running around like a maniac. Uh, seems to be a really, really powerful way of doing it. And I know a lot of people listening to this will be thinking, yeah, but we all know already knew this jackass. Yeah, but it's quite often that we know stuff uh, and we just either don't do it <laughs> or we forget about it or we already know it, but the science doesn't actually uh, isn't actually that clear on it yet and this study just confirms what we already know so definitely go for it anyways that's the podcast for this week i'm sorry it's another short one i'm doing a couple of interviews this week i'm trying something out with a green screen and and a whole video thing and changing the day the podcast comes out and and and, and the the youtube videos and it's a whole thing um so i'm I'm running around like a maniac, <laughs> to be honest, trying to figure out how to best improve the service, best improve the podcast for all you guys. Um, and I'm sure I'll figure it out. In the meantime, as always, Peter at healthypostnatalbody.com. If you have any questions, want to shout at me, as a lot of people these days <laughs> seemingly want to do. Dr. Mark Hyman's supporters were not happy with me last week. Um because apparently he's a god. What can you do? It's funny how people will jump 
to the defense of, of people who make millions selling them stuff. <laughs> Maybe it's difficult. Once you've bought the book, it's difficult to, to, to say, actually, it turns out it was nonsense. Right? Um, Peter at healthypostnatalbuddy.com. You have a tremendous week. Send me any questions you have. I shall always answer them, like I said before. And it's new bit of music. And that's the podcast for this week. Bye now. Thank you.